you'll see all the junk we stash behind the curtain. There is no word I know in this world that rhymes with curtain. I'm fairly certain. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Behind the Curtain, another interview. Uh, today, uh, I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing uh, B from the, is it the, the Wild River? Is that how you pronounce it? Wild Revere. Wild Revere. Wild Revere. And that is a, that's a game system that you're creating as well as a show that's showcasing that game, correct? Uh, created. It is all that. <clears throat> okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, I would like to start the interview with some uh, some lightning round questions. I always do this with all my guests just to kind of break the ice and let people get to know you in a fun, uh, silly manner. So I've got mm -hmm. a few questions for you. I'll just start firing them off. Uh, the first question I have is, what is your favorite meal? Uh, tough. Um, probably... I, I just like pizza, so let's go with that. Pizza? What what mm -hmm. kind of toppings do you like on your pizza? Sausage. Sausage? Mm -hmm. Very nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you, a, are you a red sauce or a white sauce? Red. Red sauce, okay. <laughs> uh, my next question is, how do you feel about chinchillas? Good. They're good. good. You like chinchillas? They're cute. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I have no problems with that. <laughs> and then the last lightning round question is, what is, in your opinion, the best candle scent uh, lavender lavender okay very nice uh we'll move right into things i'd like to give you a minute to just introduce yourself let us know who you are uh what you like about uh tabletop rpgs and how long you've been in the scene uh and then and, and then as, oh, in, in the same vein how long you've been playing the the tabletop rpgs yeah um, I'm V. I am 21. I've been in the TTRPG scene for about two to three years now. Uh, working on World of Year, our one-year anniversary is coming up next month. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, outside of that, we were in the Frostwalkers. I made the Frostwalkers podcast, a 5e TTRPG podcast. Um, that campaign went for a year. Uh, it's kind of on hiatus while we plan what to do next okay um, did you say you made that one as well yep started it from scratch have my Dang players nice. we did one it was very fun Whole and you were long. you were the gm in that one as yes. well yes i was cool very cool uh, and then over that summer when the first campaign was done i started making wildervere just for fun and um it's a free indie ttrpg all of the material can be found through a google drive link or uh, pay what you want on itch because uh, we do take hips in that regard mm -hmm. we also have a patreon where people can support our work we have written about four to five books for the whole system at this point with another one coming up in the midsummer very cool and so you've got so i'm assuming you have the core rule book what other books do you have uh that are published for the <clears throat> for the yes, system we have, we have two adventure books the uh, the twisted bog and the frozen throne halloween and winter holiday themed story uh those two are those two introduce new settings new islands for you to explore new characters and new races and mechanics uh the twisted bog brings in the shifter uh, goblin and shade 
uh, which is like a shadow ghost races. Cool. And the discovery of shadow magic. Whereas mm-hmm. the Frozen Throne brings you the Aurora Elves, which are Cryomancer Elves. Uh, okay. The Yetis and the Brownies, which are small fae who can kind of extend and stretch themselves very rubber hose animation style. Cool. And Ice Magic separates itself from Water Magic in the Frozen Throne. Uh, Twisted Bog is way more about small narrative quests, whereas the Frozen Throne has a much bigger scale. Mm-hmm. And you, it's a lot more wandering around and finding certain things. Okay. Uh, it's a little more sandboxy in the in the bog. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, and finally we did some smaller expansion books this year because I wrote two major campaign books, so I decided to chill out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the World of Your Metro is a it's the one book that we're never gonna publish officially on itch. It's a basically a drive exclusive book and that's because it is a living document. Every time oh. we create a new Every time we create a new setting, it gets a new metro station. Cool. Which that is like really a cool. fast it's a fast travel mechanic as well as introducing some weird extra things that didn't fit anywhere else. It was a nice little scrap heap setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we did Deep Seas and Scalawags, which is pirates. Uh, the world ocean is opened up. There's uh twenty plus new sea creatures, and I learned a lot about aquatic animals <laughs> in that time. Cool. Uh, <laughs> The mechanic of the sub-race was crystallized as a full thing, so we had two new races that cared about sub-races. The, the merfolk, which splits into the siren and the, uh, I forget what the other one was called. Um, I was on a, uh, Merlin, I think. Yeah. Okay. One of them is, like, far more the traditional siren, and the other is kind of like the shifter but for aquatic okay cool Um, cool and there's the there's the selkie which uh was probably one of my favorite things because it cares about a very niche mechanic but it was very fun to make Mm -hmm. you get to give one of your attributes to someone else okay Uh, the seal skin of the selkie sorry it was the merfolk where the siren and the ocean in okay then they introduced two new sub-races, the Aquatic Kobaloi, which is one of the core rule races given an axolotl-y deep-sea twist, mm-hmm. and the Deep-Sea Lich. The Lich is a, from the Metro, these skeletal people, and the Deep-Sea Lich is like living algae that connects different undead bits of bones together, and their attribute is super interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's ship mechanics, there's new settings, new characters, and cool treasures to find in there. Um, those are our major books that cool. we've put out. Very cool. I wanted to ask you, what is the, the world like in this? What's the setting like in this it's game? Very, it's a very peaceful setting. Okay. The, the exact words I wrote for it were that uh, Wildevere is made of the express purpose of fun, lighthearted escapism into a world where magic is new, everything's ready and ripe to be discovered, and people seek only the best interests of each other. The world is split up into the major islands. This main island is split up into six city-states. Each okay. one carries different kind of elemental magic. Because sometime in the past, about two generations ago, an event called the Awakening happened, which woke up magic in the world. And the once normal fantasy world just changed rapidly due to the the fact that magic took care of their problems, solved their like inequities. And soon the world was safe. The monsters that were once uh, terrifying are now adorable. 
Um, <laughs> instead of going around trying to slay undead lords or anything, you're traveling. Genuinely traveling. Just cool. The world for what it is. Visiting the elemental city-states to learn new kinds of magic as well as other skills. And completing a journey hosted by the leaders of each of the city-states. And they... and that's, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, I listened to the first episode today. That's about all I had time to listen to. Um, but uh, the the podcast itself, it starts with your your adventurers and they're, they're beginning that that journey is that correct yep everyone in wilderbeer when they're old enough uh, is ready to can take their journey there there's no min there's no like requirement to do it Mm -hmm. you can do it whenever you're ready whenever you're old enough and ready um you could start from any of the city states and just work your way around each city state has three or four like marked spots that Mm -hmm. you have to complete some sort of challenge at to get a badge of sorts Getting four badges in the city-state means you've completed the, that leg of your journey. And you just kind of make a big circle around the island and see all there is to see and learn a bunch of stuff. So I'm assuming, then, where it's it's very lighthearted and it's just about traveling, there's not any combat in it? No combat in the system whatsoever. Very cool. Very cool. You can uh, give yourself an attribute about things like uh, marksman or... Uh, polearm master if you would like to homebrew that in mm-hmm. but they will not they will be more about using those tools for alternative uses than just fighting like like winning a carnival game or something exactly yeah. <laughs> okay very cool that's very cool it sounds like a very fun very light-hearted setting uh is it a type of game you could play with uh w- with younger kids uh absolutely we have tried to keep it pretty all ages uh for this uh for this game and setting very um, cool yeah we were actually might be featured on the ttrpg kids website at some point oh so that's cool exciting. i didn't know that was uh, a thing so that's very cool <laughs> yeah uh it's a very cool thing um and it and just yeah, features different games that 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 are younger audiences, younger audiences. very cool that's very awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick. Um, uh, can you give us a rundown on on how the mechanics work? Uh, is there like a spark notes for the mechanics, or is that a, lo- a very loaded question? <laughs> uh, there's spark notes. Okay. <laughs> um, every character when they're made have uh, a racial attribute and a city state attribute because you pick where you're from and mm-hmm. what you are. Okay, uh, and then uh, and then your your uh, your city state is is based on the elemental magic that's in that in that area, correct? Yep, but okay. there are each of the city states also have non magical options. Okay, so if you don't focus on magic in that area, you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, Inovin is the city of technology, so you have tech savvy for understanding blueprints, uh, figuring out the nature of an unknown device. That could be one. Alternatively, you can lean into the magic side and harness the sparks and use electric magic from it. Cool. Uh, each of the city-states has an option where if you don't want to do magic, you don't need to, mm-hmm. but they also give you a magic option based on that. And you also, and when you pick your city-state, it's less where you were born and where more where you were raised, where you were culturally uh, equipped, like put into most. Okay. So even though you might be uh, an orc who was born in... Uh, born in 
sorry, uh, <clears throat> Torin, which is the nature place. If you spent most of your life in Sindir, which is the fire place, you have the Sindir attribute. Cool. Because that's what brought up. Yeah. It's less about what you are, like where you're from, mm -hmm. more like what you choose to be from. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But more based it, on your culture and your upbringing. Yeah. Exactly. Very and cool. With, and with the races, their attributes are not about like. D and D races where they have things like intelligence tied to them. It's more about like unique forms of magic. Uh, okay. Because everyone adapted differently, mm -hmm. so as a result, all the races have a unique style to their magic that you can pick. So, the elves and eidolons, because they're tied to one of the elements, their thing is involving that element. So you have the Sun Elves, which are from natively from Sindir, which is the fireplace. Mm -hmm. So you can pick Touch the Blaze, where you get small jets of flame, or Keep Cool, where both physically and mentally you're able to keep a cool and level head. Cool. So, since the Elves and Eidolons are deeply tied to elemental magic, mm -hmm. one of the options is elemental magic. But since the city-states can also give elemental magic, they're the only ones who give an option for something else. So that way you don't have to double up. Okay. That makes Humans sense. Yeah, humans have adaptability, where you can uh, quickly get your bearings and push forward in a foreign situation. Okay. Uh, halflings have almost there, which is an eternally positive outlook. Uh, things bother you less, and you find creative, non-magical solutions. <laughs> Whereas some are more obvious, like the changelings' attribute is well, changing. You yeah. know. Yeah. The koboloi, the koboloi have bad luck charm, which uh, innately causes them to get more likely to get wild magic. Because every time you use a magic roll, uh, anything below a 15 on the d20 or at a 15 will trigger wild magic. Okay. Bad luck charm lets you keep the result of the roll. So if you roll a 20, you still got a 20. Mm -hmm. But you can roll a d6 to bring the 20 down. Oh. If you, if you, want, if you want that wild magic. Right. You would still get a 20-level success. If the DC was 20, you will still get the 20. Mm -hmm. This is just if you want wild magic. Okay. And what does what does wild magic? Is it similar to a, uh, like a surge, like in D&D? &D? Yeah. Very similar. Okay. Uh, there's even tables for it and everything. Okay, very, very cool. Very, uh, yeah, so all the races... As you can see, it's less about like what they are societally and more like a, a unique shaping of their natural abilities or talents, magically speaking. Like the brownies have their mm -hmm. stretchy limbs the, yeah. or the just things that are natively about what they can do and mm -hmm. less about like what their culture is. And once you pick those two things, you then have five attribute slots which is d4 d6 d8 d10 d12 you know yeah okay just just the five dice that exist mm -hmm. and you pick you pick something in those we give you possible options like eye for detail rough exterior bad luck etc mm -hmm. but like they're anything you want and you pick those five and at any point in the game if you think those would fit you can tell your dm what attribute you want to use and why and they'll allow you or not allow you, and the game goes on from there. Cool. Very cool. It sounds like a very fun game. Seems like it's pretty easy to pick up as well. Mm -hmm. How how long does it typically take to generate a character? I've seen people do it in under 20 minutes. Under 20 I've minutes? Seen I've seen people take 10, 15 minutes to make a character. 
Very cool. Do you do you have any uh, pre-constructed characters in the in the drive? We have a lot. Of, we have things called templates. So templates, we give okay. You options of the five. Okay. So we don't tell you what race. We don't tell you what city state. But we'll give you like, oh, if you want to play, yeah, like if you wanted to play a monster helper, which was someone who cares about healing and aiding the monsters of the world, uh, there's a template for that, which you can take, mismatch, etc. Cool. Um, and we give you the five because that's the hardest part for people. Okay. Um, it's like, is the choice paralysis if you can do anything? Yeah. Um, <laughs> If you want to be a mediator, we have a D10, 12, D10, D8, D64 that fit the mediator style. Uh, and then you pick a race in class and you just, I mean, you pick a race in a set and location. Mm -hmm. That's a character. If you don't like having medic and you want to rather have polearm, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Or if you'd rather have eye for detail, you can do that. So cool. it's a starting. Yeah. Yeah. Just a nice starting template for people to. To dip their toes yeah. in and yeah that sounds so really have, cool if you have an idea for a race and location then you pick a template you can get it done in a couple like under five minutes probably if you had ideas for it going really cool it sounds like it'd be a great game to uh play at conventions where time yeah. is limited and people are rotating in and out of tables so quickly that if you have yep. these templates already made they could come in and you can just say all right just pick the race and the and your location and then we'll get started, which I think is great because, uh, yeah, playing games at conventions is awesome. Have you ever done that before with this game? Oh, God. I have not because we made it last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that would make that um, would make a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Do you have exactly. plans to? Would Hopefully. you like to? Okay. Uh, Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, we care a lot about the templates so much so that every time we do a new book, like mm -hmm. Twisted Bog or Throne, Deep Seas, they've all they all add at least two more templates. Okay. The, and those are usually ones that fit that new expansion's energy, you know? So uh in the Frozen Throne, in this Tundra setting, the Valen templates are like a wanderer, a researcher, and a resident of the Tundra. Whereas like in the Twisted Bog, which is more Halloween, more like uh ghost hunting kinda, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, in that situation, you're going to have, uh, let me find them, uh, you're going to have templates like uh, witches and okay. um, just things that fit that energy a bit better, yeah. I guess. That sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. that, that sounds like a very fun game to play, and I know that, that some listeners I have, uh, they, they have kids, and so... I'm always trying to to find things that they can play with their kids because I've been asked that question quite a few times, like how to how to run games for children. And when you have a game that's made with children in mind, it's a lot easier to get them to the table. So I think that's really awesome. I think that's very noble of you guys to do that. Uh, I wanted to uh, to ask you some questions. Um, less about like the setting and the story and more about um, like the, the process of, of making the game itself. Um, I wanted to ask you first, what inspired you to, to make this? Uh, it was a conversation we had about a system called Journeys Away uh, that I kind of liked, but there were some uh, 
some complications with it. Okay. There were some complications journeys away from what we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, man, if I only changed a few elements, I could get it to be exactly what I wanted to. And then I kind of rewrote some lore, and then it became the whole thing. Cool. So, That's very yeah, cool. Directly inspired by another system, mm-hmm. and then did my own thing with it because I had some personal things I wasn't super into for my game group. And then... Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I I wanted to ask you what are what are a couple like really re- rewarding moments that you've had through the the process of creating this game. Uh, probably when I got people interested to play test the system and mm-hmm. on their streams and such, I've gotten to work with amazing people like uh, Nature Check, uh, uh, Transplaner did a World of Your One Shot. Cool. Um, I just was on Tales from the Tavern. Okay. A lot of people have been very, very cool and very open to stuff. That's awesome. I think it's always great when, when, when you get to see people enjoying something that you've worked so hard on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> makes it, uh, ma- makes the, makes the struggle worth it. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of struggles, what are some of the challenges and struggles that you've run into while creating it? Just having enough time to finish all the writing, honestly. Okay. And then lastly, uh, what does your creative process look like? And when do you feel like you get the most work done? I get the most work done when I have solid ideas. And most of my time is looking for those solid ideas. So it's a lot of sitting around and thinking about how stuff could work and interact. Okay. (laughs) And uh, once that stuff happens, it usually takes, depending on what I'm looking into, it doesn't take super long for minor things to work out. Major storylines might take a minute, but like minor bits of mechanics I can usually work out within the day. Um, and then it just kind of goes into, do I have the time? Do I have the mental energy to write it all down? Mm-hmm. Which makes a lot of sense. I totally uh, I totally feel that sentiment as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the, uh, the show as well, um, because the show is... it it looks like just a really nice showcase of the game um, and showing people what the game's about and how to play it. Um, and so can you tell us a little bit about the cast that you have on, on the show right now? Yeah. The whole cast is everyone who helped make the system what it was. Okay. Honestly, That whole crew are all writers on it or current or were writers or are writers mm-hmm. or done art for everything. Just, it was a very internal thing. The people okay. who helped us make it, the people who we wanted to play with because they had some stake um yeah <laughs> people like curious little fox who plays oj is a dm for the system for other people midnight okay. blue wrote a mini expansion or a four one-shot storyline mm-hmm. uh crow partner does all the art um Loof and Anki are also just big helps in different places doing different art pieces and such like that the whole we all kind of just, it was kind of a natural thing. Yeah. That we all kind of came together for it. And you guys you guys seem to have a really great energy. Have you guys known each other for a while? I've known everyone there for a while. They all didn't really know each other. Okay. <laughs> um, so I knew everyone in the group from one spot or another, mm-hmm. and this was kind of a meeting of minds, really. Cool. That's really awesome. Yeah, it just it, when I was listening to the episode, it just sounded like you guys, 
you guys knew each other and and just got along really well. You just you guys just kind of gelled um, yeah. really well, which which was nice. Um, I wanted to ask you, what are your roles on the show? Because you're the you're the DM, correct? I'm the DM, and because World of Fears is a very simple system, mm -hmm. you can't have a DM who makes a little who makes a traveler too, because there isn't stuff like action economy to worry about. So long as they're not taking over the whole role play scenes, uh, it's actually a system that allows DMs to have a character pretty easily cool. without taking up a lot of toes. Yeah. Um. So I play Asher. He's a sun elf. He's just kind of. Just kind of a doofus. He's a young kid who has kind of read his way through the world, but has really no idea what to do about actually going out there. Um, so he's and, book, he's book smart, not street smart. Exactly, cool. and he has a back backpack that is basically a bag of holding and <laughs> can just fit comedically a large amounts of things in it. Yeah, and I I kind of messed with his mechanics a bit because I'm the person who wrote the game. I can. I can have fun with my yeah. character. Um, <laughs> of course. <laughs> his, his is, uh, is look what I found. And it's basically a, I have to roll a d20. I mean, I have to roll a d12. Sorry. Mm -hmm. I have to roll a d12 and the d20 for that attribute. And if it's a high number, I pull out exactly what's needed story-wise from the backpack. <laughs> if it's a low number, I pull out something that actively causes the scene to get worse. <laughs> And if it's in the middle, it's just unrelated. That sounds brilliant. That sounds like a very fun, chaotic mechanic. <laughs> it's a great way to have Asher work because there are clutch moments where he can come in and save the day and yeah. help out uh, with just as much likelihood that he can make things worse. So it doesn't feel like the DM is saving your butts all the time. Asher is just kind of doing his own thing. And it, it works out. It works out. Asher has some storyline into him, but that's because I've woven plot for all of our all the travelers. So cool. How does the party? How does the rest of the party feel about Asher? I think they all kind of, they all this whole group very quickly couldn't congealed into a found family trope. So <laughs> I think, even though they're all very young, they all care about each other very much. That's, um, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, Sounds very wholesome. <laughs> that's very much the energy we're going for. Yeah. <laughs> we have Midnight Playing Scales, a created who's kind of designed off of a dragon. Okay. So she has wings, she can fly, uh, and she just recently found out she's a prototype and that her successors are big, famous, created in the world, and she never knew. And that's kind of kind of messing with her a bit. And the, the group is kind of rallying behind her mm -hmm. black uh, is another created who looks like a plague doctor um and plaque went was part of a group called the plague droids which are all created made by one lady in the bog uh, okay they all kind of have their look but plaque is kind of plaque is kind of their the best and brightest of that crew what do you um, mean by by created Created are a race in the game that are basically the Warforged in of D and D. They're okay. robots. Okay. Except, except they are not really dealing with conflict so much as they are the they are the the world soul given life because they are a mix of machine and nature, and nature is inherently tied to magic. So their souls of sorts, if you will, what gives them their sentience, comes from that latent magic mixing with the metal of their bodies. 
Okay. They act and are individuals. They have sapiens. They do, and they are treated as such. So that's nice. Very cool. Uh, uh, Ori is a moon eidolon, uh, dash changeling. She kept her changelingness a secret for a while. Uh, and now that she's been more open about it, her one of her major goals is to just copy every race that she can that she comes across <laughs> and learn how to transform into everything for basically just going Ben Ten on situations. It's great. Now, she's really is is uh, uh is the keeping it a secret changelings? I've heard that before. Is that it's not, uh, it's not a real thing? That was an Ori choice. Okay, that was a person. Okay. Ori. I was wondering if it was like a racial thing where, or like a cultural no. thing where the changelings no. keep it hidden. Because I've heard of that in in, in several other games where yeah. other players do they keep it a, a secret. So yeah, and a lot of games do it because of like a prejudice to changelings in the world building. Okay. In world of your changelings are normal and accepted and just as valid as any other race. No one has a problem with changelings. In mm -hmm. fact, they think it's really cool. Uh, it's just more of a personal or a choice. Okay. It was okay. very much her in her own head just thinking that she shouldn't do it that way okay that make that makes sense so no cultural pressure just a personal choice mm -hmm. uh, oj is a kobaloi she's kind of she's just kind of the youngest of the bunch and does things that everyone else says no to because but i think it sounds fun so i'm yeah. gonna do it anyway and like then <laughs> like starts a lightning storm that accidentally electrocutes one of the party and everyone was <laughs> at her but she's just like i had fun so yeah. i don't care and walks away she she <laughs> kind of needs to learn strength and self-control and impulse control <laughs> um and uh oj's weird thing is that she can do wild magic explicitly okay there's no fear involved like oj can channel purposely wild magic Wow, which okay. is not something that's written in the rules and mm -hmm. not something that's in So everyone's like fascinated by OJ, but also, <sighs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For example, she she insists that they take a boat, a little boat that they got at their start of their journey, with them the whole way, because. Now she is sentimentally attached to the boat, and the boat must end with them for the boat started with them. Oh my gosh. We went to a ravine, and they were like, well, no, we just climbed the ravine and leave the boat. <laughs> and channeled her wild magic and threw the boat out the waterfall. <laughs> and then she rolled Nat 20, and all of us just watched as she threw the boat. And then I was like, well, okay, well, then roll something else to try and see if you like make sure no one else gets affected by it. That roll was not a 20. And so she brained a flying idol on right on the head, and then they got crushed by the boat. They were okay, but OJ was like, thank you for catching the boat, and grabbed the boat and walked away. <laughs> and everyone else was rushing to this dude's aid. Yeah. <laughs> in OJ's head, like, in OJ's head, everyone abides by cartoon physics. Okay. <laughs> I did get that no. vibe in the first episode, yeah. when she ran OJ through the spinning door. I mean, and the, the no, glass. I thought that was great, too. <laughs> yeah, OJ thinks everyone can do things that she can do. <laughs> they really can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Rhodes is a stone Eidolon who's kind of a, from a noble, kind of like wealthier family. And so he 
he kind of had the rich kid in a in the desert kind of energy for a bit but he's slowly grown out of being sheltered about it and it's more of just like the team dad who's just really tired of everyone's shit <laughs> okay wants to, take, wants to take a nap and also he's 16 like like he's a teenager trying to be a dad it's really funny <laughs> Well, that sounds really awesome. How many episodes do you have at this point? Thirteen. Thirteen. With, uh, with another one coming out, I believe, a week from now. We try to release every other Wednesday. Okay. So, uh, and for a little bit, for a couple months, we did a, we took a bit of a break because just it was towards finals and everything. Mm -hmm. Just make the time yeah and we instead did was post a lot of one shots and guest sessions but we're finally getting back into the swing we're finally getting back into the story and uh we have a fresh slate of episodes ready to go out it's super exciting very cool um the guest sessions i i was when i was scrolling through the episode list those seemed really great as well um it uh how is it just is it just a, a guest that comes on or is it is it like someone else running it like you said earlier? Uh I usually run the guest sessions, okay. but sometimes I'm crow, sometimes it might someone from our crew. Okay. Uh sometimes it might be crow, sometimes it might be uh Fox, but sometimes it's me. Um and the guest sessions really kicked in at around uh I think episode twelve. So what we started doing I uh, sorry, episode eleven. So what we want to do, what we started doing, is that it'll be major release, full story-progressing episode, and then a guest star episode in the off week. Okay. So it'll be uh, a game we've run with a different podcast crew or with a different like writing team or something. Okay. Uh, usually there are other shows you can go watch afterwards. Um, and so we had uh, Reroll Expectations. We've had Shrike Tabletop. Um we had Inspirals, we had Nat20 Productions, Final Plank Media, uh, we had Half What's and Failed Crits on uh, From Afar. Mm -hmm. So there was just a lot a lot of really cool names. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely recognize a few of those. Some very yeah. cool people. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we've had a lot of people in the last year try our system and have a lot of fun. It makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, and the, but we're like I said, we're going back to the main story. We released a thirty-three minute solo episode last week, uh, which was just plaque, just plaque. Um, okay. And we saw, as in episode eleven, he went off alone into the desert to seek out his lost pet, and we answer what he did, how he found his pet, and what happened after that reconnects him into the plot. Cool. Um, those are always so, fu very fun because they don't they don't have like a, a huge impact on the overall story, but it's always a nice it's always a nice time to to get a look into a specific character uh, in a in a deeper way. Yeah, uh, I think my favorite episode, if you were to listen to one, mm -hmm. uh, because because of the way the story works, it's pretty easy to jump into any episode without much context. Okay. Because it's very episodic. Okay. I'd highly recommend listening to it altogether because certain things make more sense. Certain jokes land a lot harder. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think the character growth is really good. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that so far in the 13 episodes, there have been little mini arcs. 
Okay. Uh, first, like, three episodes being in Inovin and the kids setting off on their journey. Uh, an episode four and five just being, like, exploring the first city-state of Oa. Uh, six and seven do a little character-focused duo about Ori, and this is when she kind of comes into her own about being a changeling. Mm-hmm. Um, nine kind of picks up where that leaves off with Ori uh, learning how to fly in her Sky Eidolon form with the help of scales being the focus. Um, eight. Nine is probably my favorite episode. Nine is a scale-centric episode. Okay. Uh, we meet one of those prodigious uh, created that are her uh, descendancy, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dragon created she that came after her okay um and she finally gets to meet her youngest brother and he's a dick <laughs> he's the worst <laughs> yeah. sandblast was the worst um, <laughs> minor i don't want to spoil everything but um sandblast is the youngest of a group of people of created who are now like hollywood-esque famous okay and as the youngest he never had to like earn it he okay. kind of just created into it, built into it. Yeah. And things definitely gotten into his head. Uh, <laughs> and he is of the mind that if Scales was found out, his spot on the team might dwindle in favor of Scales. So he is ad- eager to put her down a peg. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, how the party reacts to that what they do to stop him and uh, the the sweet sweet paybacks are uh, are all are all yours to uncover in that episode. Um, ten is a bit of a side detour where they just are alone in the desert and hang out. Eleven is them doing our first one shot. We wrote a one shot called Crystal Run early into our time, and we did a modified version of it in episode eleven, which was fun. Cool, and you, uh, you did, and you fit it into the. Fit into the plot because Crystal Run was set in is set right outside of Oa in a Crystal Ranch, and so as they made it right to the main city of Oa, there was the Crystal Ranch. Cool, very cool. I love when I love when you're when when people are able to do that. uh, Yeah. In in any system, really, when you can when you can put a a module or one shot or something in into a a much bigger adventure, it kind of. not really like a filler episode. I don't want to say that because it's not really filler, but uh, it makes it, it for a travel story. Things like that make it feel like you're actually going on a journey. Yeah, journey. yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then uh, what's fun is our first guest star session is right after Buck Wild, which is Crystal Run with Reroll Expectations. So you could hear another group uh, take on the very same set of challenges. Okay, but take it their way. Very cool, and I I was I was talking to someone about that recently, about how it's always fun with with tabletop RPGs because you can have two uh two groups going through the same adventure, but they end up doing things completely different, and they might have different outcomes or different reactions to the same events, which is always really fun to see. Um, I I uh, I don't have any other other questions for you tonight, but I just wanted to thank you for for joining me for this interview. I had a lot of fun getting to know no you problem. and getting to know your your very fun sounding, very creative sounding game. 
Um, I think I think it sounds like a blast, and like I said, very uh, very uh, uh, kid oriented, kid friendly is is always nice for for me and and my family to hear about. So so I definitely appreciate that as well. I wanted to wrap up, but um, and and you you did it briefly with the with the podcast. Are there any other um social plugs that you that you want to to shout out yeah. real quick? We're on Twitter at at just exactly how it looks on all the covers and everything. That's exactly where you find us. We have a Discord server. I'm going to be honest with you. That's probably the best place to hang out with us. It's okay. a very big server. We have a, we're starting up server games. We tell people what's going on in the game and updates there first. Sometimes I might even do writing streams there. I've been considering taking the writing streams on the road, maybe to Twitch or something. But mm-hmm. For now, just because of my own mental comfort, uh, it's just server only at the moment. Okay. Um, uh, we'll do listening parties. So whenever a new episode comes out, we'll uh, a new mainline episode. I didn't want to do them every Wednesday for people, you know. Yeah. Uh, so when a new mainline episode comes out, we'll listen that night to the episode uh, with people there. Oh, so you have um, a, a listen party in Discord? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Very fun. <laughs> uh, we. We do other stuff. There's daily questions about like character building and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're tomorrow is well a little late for the audience, yeah. but we <laughs> uh, to, as May twenty fifth would be the last day of a contest we were hosting in the server and on Twitter, uh, where you could make an NPC who will show up in the Wildebeer summer camp. Uh, all the people who submitted NPCs are gonna have them mentioned in the book. They're all gonna be like names and lists, you know. Cool. Yeah. Two of them will get uh, a ref by our artist who does, did the art for the main book, and their characters will look in that style. Cool. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Um, uh, do you have any so yeah. other upcoming projects? Uh, we have the, the Summer Camp book, which I kind of spoiled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's going to be hopefully in time for our one-year anniversary, uh, so like mid to late June. Um hopefully fingers crossed we have a we're kind of we're kind of holding our breath right now mm-hmm. and planning in the background so that way come the anniversary we can do a lot you know there's yeah. a lot of things we've dreamed of doing that we might be able to make happen in time for the anniversary or that month or that space so stay well, cool. tuned for that and i'll make sure to link everything in the description of the episode for anybody listening to this if you want to check out uh, their Patreon, their Twitter, their uh, their Discord server, especially because that sounds like a real happening place. So yes, it's very active. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for for being on the show. Uh, this no has been a, a delight, and I wish you uh, the best of luck with everything that you have coming up. And then uh, once again, congratulations on one year. I think that's that's phenomenal. Thank you very much. I was happy to be here. And uh, we will see you guys in the next episode. Have a good night, everybody. Come with me and you'll see All the junk we stash behind the curtain There is no word I know In this world that rhymes with curtain I'm fairly certain